Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Okay, welcome into the Mystery of Parenthood. This is your general manager, Thaddeus Romanski, and this is a back for a new, brand new Mystery of Parenthood today, but it's a little bit of a special cast. It's me <laughs> and uh, one of our longtime guests, regular guest, Adam Earhart. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, brother. We're, uh, we're going to have just the two of us today. It's a special episode that we got the... Uh, the blessing from the uh, the Cashins to do this, give you some new content on, uh, this is Tuesday. It's actually on the old calendar. It's the feast day of St. Pius V, Pope St. Mm-hmm. Pius V. So great reformer, great leader of the church. And we're going to be talking about fatherhood today, an aspect of fatherhood today. And men are supposed to be the, the leaders of their domestic churches. Mm-hmm. We'll that. Well, let's start with our prayer from Pope John Paul II for the family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John Paul II, pray for us. us. Okay, so I am coming to you today from uh, an undisclosed location. (laughs) The bunker. <laughs> and um, if you if you hear in the background a little squeak from time to time, that don't worry, that's not a mouse. Uh, it's just my squeaky desk chair. Uh, and I don't know what Adam. Any any interesting noises we'll be hearing from your location, possibly? And my son's downstairs playing the guitar, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm trying to keep him away from finger tapping and all like. You know, the craziness, crazy, crazy shredding. So, oh, journey boy. shredding, it's my 12-year-old son. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, well, I, I contacted you with real short notice, and I said, hey, I wanted to, you know, get you on, and let's try to do a, do a special episode, um, fill in for the cash-ins, and uh, do something on fatherhood, 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 fatherhood. And uh, <laughs> we're just going to... We're just going to dish today on a, on a thought that I had, which uh, came to me last night. Michael, my son, was uh, asking to, he said, Let's, can we pray the, the chapel of divine mercy for family prayer tonight? And, you know, Robin and I, of course, said, you know, sure, yes, let's do that. And uh, sitting on the couch with, with the family, and you know, I've got my, my domestic church <laughs> gathered around me on the, on the couch, and I just... I'm praying it, and I, I just had this thought, a very, th- very simple thought. It's not a profound thought, but it was, yeah, I don't, I don't get to follow my own plans and priorities anymore. I don't get to do what satisfies me, but I'm a better man for it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about being a father. I'm not mm-hmm. being a husband. And I think that, there's just something really paradoxical there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everything that, gosh, I wouldn't even say that our society and our culture tells us. I think everything in the human condition, everything in the fiber of our being tells us 
satisfying our longings and our priorities and doing what we want to do is what's going to make us happy. Mm-hmm. And fatherhood especially and marriage too, they say, they say, actually, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to us to, to kind of talk about, maybe give some, you know, thoughts, just thoughts on that practical examples. Um, yeah. Kind of just go from there. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think this is really wonderful that we could talk about something like this. I think we need to talk about things like this more. Um, you said it's not that profound, but I think it's, it's one of them things that we can run past all, all too often. I know I have so many times. I think, um, you know, it's all about, we, we throw the word around uh, love, love around a lot. Right. And this idea that it's just something that is, is, is something we feel something that emerges and we respond to um, something we, we make decisions based off of or something like that. Um, but love is something we grow into. It's something that we can actually learn how to, to do better, you know, receive better. Yes. And it's something we have to mature in. And I think, you know, I mean, our church teaches this, obviously, but like, you know, I think we miss out on sharing the good news of fatherhood, sharing the good news on marriage, which is that we need to learn how to love. And as men, that's actually, you know, our, if you call to that vocation as a husband, that husband and father is where you're going to really grow into uh, being an imitator of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot there. And how do I love? How do I give of myself for the sake of the other? Because you're right. Um, in my own life, that was a large part of my early marriage. Like we didn't, I wasn't, I, when I, when we got married, it wasn't like a devout Catholic. I was actually very far away from the church. And I lived marriage on both sides of the fence, brother. And it's, it's, it's night and day. It's night and day. We could talk about that maybe a little later if you want to get, get go down that path. But. Yeah, well, I think we do. I think we should kind of okay. go down that path a little bit. But first, you know, speaking of running past things, one of the things I ran past was having you tell us about what you're reminding listeners what you're doing, and especially <laughs> talking about something you know pretty exciting for you in your, okay. in your creative life. Cool. Yeah. So right now, I'm the director of evangelization and adult faith formation at a parish in Arlington, Virginia. Um, and it's awesome. I get to, I get to sit down with a bunch of, uh, uh, adults and help form them and hopefully get them, uh, inspired to go out there and go into the workplace and go into their homes and into their neighborhoods and just, just learn how God wants them to be themselves and strive for holiness and evangelize through their lives, you know, and, and obviously with words too, let's not get into that conversation, but you know, <laughs> to build up good relationships and be, be, you know, virtuous people and, and hopefully, inspiring them to do that. It's a great blessing to have that kind of work. Um, so that's what I'm doing uh, up here in Virginia. Uh, but I also, I write poetry. I write a lot on the side and I just got uh, off of publication. So my first uh, book of poetry will be coming out this year. I'm not sure exactly what month, but it'll be maybe three to five months from now. Um, it's called Clay Vessels and it's about family and marriage and God and all, all the good stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we are very, very proud of you and very happy for you because, you know, getting anything accepted for publication is, is a big deal. There's, there's Mm -hmm. a very small percentage of the world's population that gets to have something published, you know, in print by Mm a, by a legitimate public publication house. So gosh, we're just so happy for you. And and we think it's the start of, you know, the beginning of uh, something really, really beautiful. And um, so, you, you sent me some, you sent me all of kind of a review of clay vessels. And then you mm-hmm. also sent some, some excerpts from it that you thought you might want to, we might want to roll out today during the show. Yeah. Talk about it. So I hope we can find a way to get that in, but you know, you said you lived marriage on both sides of the, of the fence and yeah. you, you really have seen some changes in yourself and learning how to love. Talk about that. Yeah. So when my, when I found out that we were going to have Melody, which is my oldest child, uh, I was 20 years old. I just turned 20. So I, I mean, in, in today's world, you know, I was a young, young kid, you know, and I went from, you know, living at home and, uh, you know, all these things to now recognizing, okay, 
this needs to change. I need to change my life. I need to actually go out and provide. And all of those things that I knew I had to do, all the things that were right and, and just really, you know, go out and, and make, you know, make ends meet and make money and, and raise a family and provide. These were things that I knew. I was raised uh, with, with at least knowing that family is really important and that now I, I couldn't live just for myself. And I knew this. And I went and I acted out on, on that, right? I went and joined the Coast Guard. We moved out, moved away and uh, started a family. And, uh, you know, I, after a little while, I started feeling like, man, where did my youth go? I, you know, I can't do anything I want anymore. I've got this really serious career, you know. Um, and, I, and it actually started unraveling for me. Everything that I thought mm. that I was as a person mm. really started to come apart because I felt like I lost myself to the demands and the obligations and the duties and all these things. And my wife and I, we talk about it now. And I, you know, I still, you know, ask for forgiveness for that because for the longest, I mean, we had an, another child, my son, and I love my wife, I love my kids, but it was, it started to become harder to, to see, um, you know, the gift that they were to me, you know, it almost seemed like they were just uh, imposing impediments to my freedom. You know, I had a very, uh, superficial understanding of what it is to be free. And, and man, it, it was like being like a phantom, right? I would see them and I would love them. I knew what I had to do for them, but then I would, I would be resentful, right? It was like this resentment of having, having uh, given up something that was, you know, the privilege of youth or something like that. Right. And it wasn't until I went through my conversion and it was actually because I started to recognize uh, the disparity between being a, uh, what I should be, right? I should be a loving husband and father. I was, I had a beautiful kids, a beautiful wife that I was, I loved. And what I felt inside, which was resentment and frustration. And I, I was in a very technical, here I am writing a poetry book. I was working in a very technical career and that was grating on me, you know? Yeah. And all these things, self-pity, self-loathing, all these things. I was still a kid, you know? I was still, and it wasn't until I started wrestling with those, that conflict that I started searching out God in, in very ambiguous ways. Long story short, when I came back to the church, it was like, um, you know, the, the scales, you know, fell away. And I hate to just keep using that. I mean, analogy comes up a lot, but it's St. Paul. Um, but it was really like night and day. All of a sudden, I recognized uh, the gift that fatherhood is. And I actually... Without it, I wouldn't have gone through this kind of battle, this wrestling with who I want to be and who I was and how my children and my wife, how they were actually helping me become the man I was meant to be um, instead of them being an impediment to something else, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that started a lot of healing. It's a lot of healing in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because I needed it. I needed it. Obviously, without Jesus, um, I couldn't bring the two together, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're, uh, you're listening to mystery of parenthood on Red Sea Catholic radio. It's a special edition uh, with your host, Thaddeus Romanski and our guest, Adam Earhart, a long time, special, special occasional guest. And we're talking about fatherhood and we're talking about the reality of giving yourself away is where you, is how you find the, the best of yourself. Right. That's kind of what we're saying today. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like you would, you would certainly say that having to decide, I, I learned some years ago that uh, the Latin root of that word decide is, uh, is from the Latin word desire, which means to mm. cut. Oh, really Siri? I said desire <laughs> and you think I'm talking to you? Oh my gosh. Siri. We're going to have to cut this part out. We're going to have to cut yeah. this part out. <laughs> um, no, but it means to, to cut. So you're, you're cutting off this one path or this, you know, one, uh, yeah, one, one path or one possible decision because mm. you're going to go down this other road. And yeah. that's really what, what, you, um, what you did with fatherhood. You decided to become a father. Um, first a husband, but mm. that was instrumental in you finding your way back to, to God, having to assume mm -hmm. those responsibilities and, and make a commitment. Uh, it's, it's, I think 
you know, I think our, the age in which we live, the common wisdom is, um, you know, keep your options open, Mm. maximize your, your freedoms. And that's how you will attain happiness. And Mm -hmm. what you're saying is, is no, actually for me to find my best self, I had to cut off some things. I had to make a decision. I had to leave some things behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that decision point, I would say that it was coming to Christ and his church that really enabled me to see the grandeur of, of you know, what, what, I don't know about you, but maybe the domestic life almost seems like a, something, it's a circumstance of life, but it's not something that can, is where you find greatness or where you thrive. It's just something that's part of who you are, but then you go out and you make your mark in the world elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so through Christ and the church, it really helped me, you know, bring my greatest desires back to my identity as, as, being, as being husband and father. It's a huge, huge thing. But it could have went the other way as well, like because, um, you know, being a husband and father can – can really be, a, it's, it's a lot. It can be a lot of stress. And what I found out in my journey was like, I needed, heal, I needed to heal from past wounds. I needed, to, I needed to get over myself. Like there were certain things that I had to really, you know, I had to accept myself first before I could love my wife and children the right way. And I entered into marriage that way. I entered into fatherhood without, you know, going through that process. But with you know, it all come, it all became apparent to me, right? Like that's that's what that's what we need to do. It's not not it's not meant to be easy. It's not like after that everything goes away. You know, you know how it is. It's it it doesn't just get easier. It just becomes meaningful. You know, right. when it's meaningful, you can you can do much. You know, when it when it's when it seems meaningless and just that's when it's hard to str- struggle in the right way. You know, strive. Yes, and I I think that. Also, some of the things that you said about living marriage on on both sides of the fence, as you said, you you talked about dissatisfaction with your career, um, feelings of uh, I, I let my my youth slip away, or there's there's mm-hmm. certain things in my life that I can't do anymore, and that that goes mm-hmm. back to that idea of, of deciding. Um, but I think. I think all of those, some of those aspects are also just a part of being a man. I think they are a part of, you deal with those in different uh, grades of, of seriousness and intensity your whole mm-hmm. life long. And I think that's why you need the, the grace of the sacraments and the grace of, the, of, our, of our faith to get you through those, those things. And you really, you really have to put those things before, before God, before, mm-hmm. you know, before our Lord and before our lady and, and bring those to them in prayer and be honest about those. Yeah. Things. yeah. What you're going through, what you're struggling with and ask them to help you. Uh, because, yeah. you know, I, I think something, something that I've, I've learned in my life as a, as a man and a father and a husband is those temptations, those temptations to despair or those temptations to frustration, those temptations to fulfill our passions wrongly. Mm -hmm. They're going to be there. Christ Mm -hmm. never said, I'm not, you're not going to have any temptations. He's what he said is I'm going to be there to walk with you through them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be tempted, but trust in me. Don't go and don't give in. Yeah. 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 I think, I think I, 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 I'm sorry. No, but I think it's, it's having that, that commitment to your wife and the, the knowledge that you have that other person who's depending on you and those children who are depending on you that makes that necessity of following through on that or resisting that temptation mm-hmm. yeah. more palpable, more real. And that's what helps you become a better person. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a lot there. And, and uh, you know, for instance, you think of, you know, when you, when you come to think of your, your wife and your children and you think of your family and, and when you really take a step back, I think it's really hard to not see. I mean, at this point, it's hard for me to not see um, how amazing and, and critical that is like a role that is in the world, right. To, to be a father, to be a husband and a father of a family. Um, it's really hard. Like I think of my mom um, and maybe when we get to it later, but one of the things that she always, I think of the way she talked, talked about her dad. I think of my grandmother, the way she talked about her father. I think of little stories and snapshots that I, that I remember, you know, growing up as a kid, I remember my mom crying over losing him and just little, little memories that she had as a little girl and things like that. And, you know, I know he wasn't a perfect man, um, but, you know, I see, I saw a daughter's need for her father as a grown woman. Like it, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't go away. And um, there's a lasting mark you make for wheel for will. And uh, they, you know, the need for that, the need for beauty in a father's love and, and is, is way beyond us as men. And uh, until we recognize that we're not strong enough to be able to carry that out without help, we're not going to be able to do it. And that's one of the things that you think of St. Paul and, you know, when he's like, take this away from me and he's like, Hey, you know, where your weaknesses, that's where my strength is manifest, right? Made, made perfect. This idea of like, you know, we, we can recognize that we're not up to the task of leading our children and leading our wives and being uh, virtuous and humble and, and, you know, always doing the right thing, but we can lean on him and seek the strength. And I think that recognition of one's weakness, even though we, we do seek to be strong and, you know, stand by our word and, and all of that. And yet we, we need to know that we're not ultimately in control and can't, you know, make, make things happen the way we want them to. And things are going to fall, you know, even things we set up just right, they're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, the table's going to be lopsided, you know, when you're done putting it together. <laughs> You know, things like that. But, you know, God's always there in the midst of it all. So, I don't know. I hope I didn't just throw it, <laughs> throw it, throw it for a loop. But, no, I, I think you're right. Like, seeing the bigger picture of, like, your life matters so much. And, and if, if your wife and children can't teach you that, then um, I would say there, there's some healing. And it, it's okay, you know. But at least knowing that there's healing there, that, some, that God can bring bring you back, you know, can, can heal your marriage, can heal your, your sense of, of being a father. You know, it's always there. It doesn't go away. And we can always turn to him. And you're, and you're listening to the mystery of parenthood on Red Sea Catholic radio. It's a special broadcast, new program today. Thaddeus Romanski, your host here. And I'm, I'm speaking with Adam Earhart, a frequent regular contributor to the program. And I think, uh, this is actually a good point in the show for you to read a little bit of clay vessels that you sent me. I think the, the opening uh, several stanzas of what you sent me fits really nicely in with what we were just talking about. Do you have it in front of you? If you want to read yeah, it? I have it in front of me and just for anybody just joining it, this is a portion where it's, it's a, it's a reflection on like a man going to work and thinking of his, of his children, of his family um, and I based this off of stories that my mother uh, told me about her father and my grandmother told me about her, her dad. So I, I hold them very close to me and I, and they always give me a sense of what a legacy might be and, and why we love the way we do. So here's and a little for those, for those listeners just joining us, this is from Adam's very own narrative poem. That's, that's forthcoming with uh, resource publications. Yep. Thanks. Daddy. So here we go. It's all for them, and it's not about what could have been. The struggle for life and battling sin beneath tie and collar in words that should never have left. And the sighs that escape must be swallowed and the unkempt kept clean-shaven because they keep growing. There's no way of knowing when they'll be most in need when they go out on their own because you won't always be there. And the schedules will be halted, and comfort will leave them in their need for softer souls. And it will make the walk difficult. 
But like your grandfather once carried your mother on strong shoulders, there is family and there is purpose and all things worth fighting for. Day in and day out, their love will be exalted and working long hours. And it will be tough for their kids to keep quiet from riotous laughter, but they will remember when your children are gone, how their hair had fallen and the things they ate in sandwiches and their teasing and gait. Remember their smile and scent and work and talent at drawing or singing and their anger and exhaustion and being read to on laps, yawning under lamps in the staid, unencumbered evening. From across seas, the foreign tongues that they know nothing of, they've been lost to them all now, but they still have each other. You will never touch them again. There will be fields that live on to be crossed, longing for their step, gardens overgrown in need of their tenderness. Wow. Lovely. Really nice lovely one. verse. Thank you. You know, you, you and I, we share some Italian heritage together. Yes. So, of course, so much of that is bringing back to mind, you know, memories of my father's um, Italian family and, mm -hmm. and the stories that were shared, that still shared. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, you know, thanks be to God, he's still, he's still on this earth. And, you know, those were... I think I think one of the things that your your poem draws out for me, or this part of it draws out for me, is um, a lot of those men were maybe hard men, or they were gruff men, or they were stolid men. Mm -hmm. But they established something. They mm -hmm. preserved something. They protected something, and it took a lot out of them. Yeah. A lot out of them. They worked hard jobs, physically demanding jobs. Mm -hmm. a lot of them. Um, and the immigrant experience for no matter where you're coming from, the immigrant experience takes a lot out of you, you know, leaving, yeah. leaving your homeland behind to come and, and risk something new in a new place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to, to, uh, hang on to that and remember those as touchstones for how, you know, how we need to live, even though we get to live a comfortable middle-class lifestyle, you, you and I, yeah. the, the two of us, yeah. people, you know. Um, so that's one of the first things that, that struck me about your poem. And I, but I think that also goes to this idea of, what fatherhood does for the man. It, it takes mm -hmm. him from self-absorption, self-concern, and should redirect him to concern for others, you know, yeah. care for others, protection of others. Yeah, one of the things, like what you said, like there's, there's this idea of um, – you know, when people die, uh, oftentimes one of the first things you hear is like people, you know, mem remembering them like the best things. And that's, that's all well and good and, and part of healing and mourning. Mm -hmm. And it should be beautiful. Mm -hmm. But as you distance yourself from mourning, in a sense, you still mourn in other ways. But then you start to remember, hey, they weren't perfect, but they were my dad, right? They weren't perfect, but they were who they were, right? And so part of what I'm driving at is like there's potency here. Right, like whether you live it out well or not, you will be remembered because they need to remember you. Right, we're made to need our fathers. Yes. Right, and whether we do a good job at it or not, our children, it'll, it, you know, they'll hold on to our memory in, in one way or another, whether they're trying to forget or, or uh, you know, just tearing up with gratitude when they think of us. Right, it, it's, it's something you can't ignore. Right. And so it affects the way we, we uh, identify ourselves. It affects the way we see ourselves. It affects the way we start to carve out our place in the world. And as the poem goes on, it talks about 
the father at work thinking of his children and, and the mark they might leave on the world. You know, it's, it goes, maybe he'll grow and be gentle with his children. Maybe he'll grow and um, uh, find it easy to have true leisure. And his daughter, you know, he's reflecting on his thing saying, I'm, wor- I'm working here for that, you know. Um, but there's, po- there's something so strong here. And I tell my kids all the time, like, that's why as Catholics we want to guard the sanctity of marriage and, and uh, the sacredness of sex because it's, it literally is the most potent uh, thing that, that we have within us, right? This idea of sharing our love with the world, right? Both bodily and spiritually and all this and cultivating something, right? Raising children, raising a family, like that's, that's the masterpiece. That's our best and greatest effort, you know? And it makes me sad because, you know, I think part of my resentment as a young man was I wanted to write. I wanted to write. I wanted to do all these things. And I was working in this career that wasn't, uh, you know, going to get me there. And I remember feeling like I missed my mark. I missed my mark as a man. I missed my mark uh, as, to be able to contribute to the world. Maybe people out there that don't feel creative or that might not um, go through that same thing. But it took me a while to really recognize that. You know, um, my, the greatest thing I could ever do is, is be there for my wife and children and be, be the man they need me to be. That's the greatest thing I can offer this world. Right. Yeah, you're going to, going back to something you said, you're going to either leave a birthmark as a father, sort of, sort of, so kind of an analogy for a positive imprint mm-hmm. on your child, or you're going to leave a wound. Mm. And the the degree to which you either uh, step up to the plate to use that kind of hackneyed phrase or not is going to determine, you know, how much of one or the other you're going to leave, but there's, there is no third option, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is what is, yeah. is what you're saying. I think, I think what we're, what we're saying today. So we, we can't, we can't really forget that. And I, I think something else I, I really loved about the verses that you read to us were right at the very beginning. The struggle for life and battling sin beneath tie and collar and words that should never have left and the size of the skate must be swallowed and the unkempt kept clean shaven because they keep growing. There's a, there's some, there's some really neat uh, imagery there and, you know, metaphor there. Cause I think, I don't, I think the things, the things that are, that keep growing aren't just the hairs on our hairs, right. yeah. our faces, right. Our <laughs> children keep growing. Yeah. Um, but also I think maybe I'm misinterpreting the poem, but, Sometimes the, the personal predilections to sin or the personal temptations, you know, they, they kind of come, kind of come around in a cycle the way the hair on our face grows. Mm-hmm. And we've got to, got to constantly be yep. trimming that up and, mm-hmm. and taking care of it through the way we live, the decisions that we make, frequenting the, you know, the sacraments, especially confession, mm-hmm. um, engaging with in prayer, reading scripture. So I, I think those are great verses for what we're talking about today. Talk, speak to those a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you read deeply into them, but <laughs> I didn't see that. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Whatever. <laughs> but one, one of the things that, you know, to go off what you're saying is like, these are necessary things, right? Um, and yet they can be sources of, frustration and exhaustion, I, you know, part of it is there's, there's this need to repress that kind of maybe to, to make sure we're keeping our, our nose clean, keeping our heads down, doing, but there's also, that can either help purify us or that could be something that we're like battling against in a sense and we're missing the point of growth. So the idea is like, you know, the constant need to, to, um, to strive for, for presenting like a positive role model to the world or, or going to work and being 
responsible and fulfilling our that can be exhausting if if we don't see why we're doing it right i mean it's, right. it brings it back to like finding the meaning and it's not that that goes away like if we said uh as men okay all that stuff sucks you know we're nine to five all this it's you know whatever and we go and we finally find our dream you know job or whatever now we're not waiting now we let it you know our, our figurative beard grow out and like you know we're not keeping there's going to be something else right <laughs> there's something we're going to miss. Right? right. And so it's, it's this idea of like staying um, hopeful in the, in the midst of God's will on our lives like that. Okay. There are these restrictions to our, our choosing that we want to, you know, grow our beard or, you know, go do whatever, whatever it might be for your life. But to recognize, okay, I trust that it's a good for me um, in God's plan because fatherhood's a good for me and her husband. And that's part of the package is providing it to, and so it, it kind of helps us from becoming bitter and resenting and, you know, finding meaning because it is, it is, it can be selfish. Let's be honest, you know? Um, and that's, it's not to dismiss that. To say that once we know that father, fatherhood's a vocation or uh, being a husband's a vocation and the, being a father is going to help us know how to love and grow and, and become mature men in our love um, that, yeah, it's just going to be easy and, and everything's going to be all good. No way, you know? It's going to be exhausting and difficult. And that's precisely where I feel like as men, just recognizing our need for, for Jesus is, is huge. It's huge. And it's continual need. It's every day. It's every minute. Yeah. I, you know? I, I think that that's where the, for the, for the man, especially the father, especially, I think that's where the, the athletic virtues come in and the athletic experience comes in. And I, and I didn't have this, Directly, I've had it indirectly through reading about it, talking to people who have, but you have. I think the martial virtues that come in, the, the military uh, experience. I'm sure that you can think back to your time in the Coast Guard with, you know, physically demanding um, operations or tasks that you had to do or just, just the regimen of having to mm-hmm. be in that state in life. And it it parallels or it speaks to experiences you're having raising your children, mm. um, how you have to discipline yourself or regiment yourself or regiment then um, yeah. you, you know, practice with the athletic analogy. You, you have to put in the grueling practice where nobody's watching you. Nobody's praising you. You're just, you know, I played lacrosse. You're just throwing that ball against the wall a hundred mm-hmm. times every day with both hands to get mm-hmm. better. You're not getting any praise for that. There's yeah. a lot in fatherhood and family life in that. Yeah. And I think uh, athleticism and, and military, like, you know, Coast Guard, you know, wasn't in the Marine Corps or something like that, you know, but the idea that I think goes across all the military branches, especially like in boot camp and whatnot, is right. Is idea of like, hey, your mistake affects other people. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're sloppy or right. if you're going to fall down the job, you know, if you're going to take this as a joke, um, you know, because it's not real life scenario, whatever. You're not going to train. You're going to laugh, and you know, um, you, the other people are going to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that is precisely it, along with the discipline and the practice, and it's that is that shift in your mentality of thinking like, okay, like my life has like my decisions, my actions, uh, my, my love has consequences. It, it makes demands and it, and it also, um, is demand it's demanding, but it also has to respond to the demands of others. And I tell people this when I talk to them, um, love, love is demanding. You know, it's another part of this, this poem I talk about, right. Is this, this idea that love is ever not demanding and it's not, it's never free. When we come out of the womb, we cry because we, we want to be touched and held and we, we need milk and we need it now. And our love is demanding and it's always going to cry out in some way. And our children are not no different. Our wives are no different. And, uh, but that's a good thing. That means that, you know, our, you know, our, our love has consequences. It means that it's, it could be great. It could, it, it, it has, it's powerful. You know, um, but it takes a decision of the will. It takes an action, a, ch- a choice, and a decision because it's not always what we want. It's not always our plan. Yeah. He is engaged with all his limbs. 
the rest suffer for themselves. In the first yep. degree, he alone suffers through others. Hmm. Who, who is Charles Peggy and why, why did you also bring some verse from him along? Well, I love, yeah, I love Charles Peggy. Um, uh, he was a, from what I know, he was an, um, a French uh, writer. Um, he, he was a convert to Catholicism and he was also a great poet. He wrote the poor of the mystery of hope, which is one of my favorite poems. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, Give the name of that poem one more time, Adam. Yeah, it's the Portal of the Mystery of Hope. Portal um, of the Mystery of Hope. Okay. Yep. And it's uh, a really profound poem, and he talks about family and Israel's father and theology and all these things. And it's really, it, it's really extraordinary. Um, but he, he was uh, a convert to the faith. His wife and, and didn't convert, um, and he died in World War, um, World War One. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first. Uh, casualties um, and, and it's one of the things he never saw his children grow up and his wife come into the Catholic church or anything like that but he was faithful and uh, that's a lot of suffering you know I know he suffered because in that poem he talks about entrusting his kids to the Virgin Mary because you know that's what good loving fathers do you know and uh, when they're sick and they can't imagine losing them and things I, I think of as a dad what it would mean to like find the faith in the Catholic church and not be able to bring your family in. I've, when I came back to the Catholic church, I lived like that for a while and it was so painful going to mass. I would cry being there feeling like I failed as a dad to, to, to love my wife, to bring my children to the church and not baptize all these things. They're all in the church now. Thank, thank God. But, and there's no guarantees at that point. I think of that man suffering and he died in the midst of that suffering. Um, so when I hear this, I recognize his fatherly love for his children, that it's not, you know, I know he was, a, he prayed for his wife and his children constantly. Um, and I think this informed this passage that you just read that, you know, he's engaged with all of his limbs, the rest suffer for themselves in the first degree. He alone suffers through others. Like he is um, with his wife and his children, no matter what their decisions are. I think of this passage, I think of, there's no guarantees, you know, Thaddeus, like we try our best to raise our kids and to be the best husband we can. There's no guarantees that they'll respond to that love. There's no guarantees that we're going to do a perfect job or we won't actually cause wounds in our children and, you know, things that they need to work through and heal from. Mm-hmm. God forbid, I think about this all the time, but, you know, their suffering is my suffering, right? I mean, right. There's, there's no distancing ourselves from that. And, something that our Lord spoke of frequently was that he was sent into the world to suffer. That was part of his mission. Mm -hmm. It was part of how he was going to love the world and love us and redeem us and save us was through suffering. So when fatherhood calls us to suffering, we're being called to live like Christ. And that, that is a good Mm-hmm. So that again, that's how we're made better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them things that Christianity, I think, really, and this is one of the reasons why I started leaning into the to Christianity before I came back to the Catholic Church. Is you know Jesus on the cross, right? That's God's response um, to suffer with us, but also to make it eternally salvific for all of mankind. The worst, atrocious, most atrocious event in human history, deicide, um, and not even like an honorable death, you know, the worst, you know, murderous execution. The death of a criminal. Imagine. Yeah. Um, becomes salvific for every person that ever lived in the world. Um, and as much as they are willing to cooperate with his grace and, and choose him, choose to accept that. Right. And then, um, Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and then I think, you know, following off of that is St. Paul, one of his famous, one of his most famous um, revelations or insights is that um, the, the wounds that we uh, accrue or we suffer, the, the sufferings that we go through, what, you know, they're, they're added to Christ's suffering on the cross 
So right, our, yeah. so our sufferings are not in vain. They're not happening alone. They're actually happening yeah. in concert, my, mystically, across time and space with our Lord's suffering on on the cross. I hope I'm not spouting yeah. any heresy. No, no. And you're saying, you know, Saint Paul even 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 like kind of turns the you know turns screws it in a little bit when he says fill, fill, to fill up what's lacking. Yeah. Um, you know, what are you saying? Yeah, well, you know, and the reality is, you know, we are called to accept Christ's redemption into our own lives. I mean, theologically speaking, it's called subjective redemption. Objective redemption is what's done by Christ on the cross, the once and for all eternally salvific sacrifice. Subjective redemption is the way in which we respond to that offer of love and grace. You know, no, no greater love has man seen than this, right? Um, but do we, do we believe that? And if that's the greatest love, then we ought to want to emanate it, right? Or imitate it. Um, and that's what, depending on where we're called as, as either husbands or priests or whatever, we're called to enter into the fray, you know, and to put ourselves out there and, and to, in a sense, in a sense, bleed out, but um, for the sake of a greater love. And, and that's, that's, I mean, what else can we ask for? That's what, that's what we desire, right? I mean, we want challenges. You see these tough mutters, you see all these things, men, and even, you know, women, we choose to do things to show that we're strong or we can go through certain trials and come out at the end. We've accomplished this great thing, this adventurous thing that we step out into and we've conquered the mountain, right? But it's pain and it's commitment and it's dedication. And what greater thing to accomplish and dedicate ourselves to than, than the perfectibility of our souls and our children and our wives to lay down our lives for that, right? We'll go undergo all kinds of different stresses and we'll pay for it. We'll actually put our money to do it. Uh, and, and yet when it comes to what's right in front of our faces, if we, and I'm not trying to be facetious to, to push anybody away that might be struggling with seeing greatness in the midst of their family and their, their call to love their family, but it's there. I just want to encourage people that, you know, I think one of the reasons why we, we, took, we look away, we look outside is because that is, it's the hardest work. Right, because there's no guarantees, and men want to, you know, we do something we know we're good at because we'll have a desired, a desired result or something, a desired outcome, and we like to be in control and feel efficient because it makes it boosts our ego. But what about the kid that just won't, you know, listen or thinks differently than you do, right? right. Or the precocious, you know, a twelve-year-old girl who's like, you know, actually knows something you didn't know or makes you feel, you know, right? Checks your little insecurity about not, re- you know, who knows what it is. That's difficult because now you need to humble yourself and try to understand how to lead by way of, right. of learning, in a sense, being led. Well, as we wrap up here on this um, unusual edition of uh, Mystery of Parenthood, which has uh, been hosted by <laughs> Thaddeus Romanski, special, your general special. manager, and uh, our just wonderful regular guest, Adam Earhart. And he brought on some of his original verse that he read to us, uh, Clay Vessels, which is forthcoming uh, from Resource Publications sometime this year. And we also gave you a little taste of Charles Pegui, um, the portal of the mystery of hope. And I want to kind of finish with some more Pegui to, to wrap us up. I think one of, the, one of the other messages of our conversation today is found in what Pegui says here. Uh, everything in the modern world, even and perhaps most of all contempt, is organized against that fool, that imprudent, daring fool, against the unruly, audacious man who was daring enough to have a wife and family. Everything is against him, savagely organized against him. He wrote this, folks, in the early 20th century over a hundred years ago. So be not afraid. Do not despair. If you are feeling today that everything is organized against you as a father, as a, as a mother, as a wife, as a husband, other generations have suffered the same, have felt the same way. They persevered. We must persevere. Mm -hmm. Adam, last word. Yeah, I was going to say, and if you don't have anybody in your life that you can, um, you know, turn to, 
you know, maybe as a, as a guy, it can be hard to like try to, to learn about this stuff or, or grow in this aspect or spirituality of, of being a father and the vocation of being a husband, all these things, please, 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 please trust um, that God will lead you. If you go to your church, your pastor, um, reach out to Red Sea, reach out to Thaddeus, reach out to me. If, if we, you want to talk, we're, we'll be here for you. And we'd love to have this conversation. You're not alone. Nobody's ever alone, even though sometimes we feel that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well said. We, there's, there's so many people that, want to help and want to listen, you know, people like you at the, at the, the parishes on the, on the, the camp, the campus ministry staff or the ministry staff at a parish are right there to help you. Um, I'm sure that you see a lot of that with, with people that come through the RCIA process, which you're in, intimately involved with at your, your parish too. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, they, they, they approach, uh, you know, the church thinking, okay, I'm going to learn intellectually, um, things about the church, which is all good. I mean, it's very good and needs it. It's very important. All right. Well, it's down to the last minute of the show. It's been just awesome having this conversation with you, Adam. Thank you for uh, being willing to do this with me on such short notice. I love and you we'll, like a brother, man. Thank you. Thank you for calling me up and inviting me to do this. You're it means welcome. the world to me. You're welcome. It's my honor. Um, ladies and gentlemen, listening this has been a, a special episode of Mystery of Parenthood with uh, your fill-in host, Thaddeus Romanski, and our guest, Adam Earhart. The Cashins are going to be back um, sometime in the near future. We're still living through this strange time of uh, pandemic and social distancing and isolation, and uh, that puts a crimp in the style of getting them, them into the studio. But we wanted to give you some new content, and we hope that this has been a good thing for you today. So remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. 